Sue alive. <laughs> but you were going to introduce it then, weren't you? Yes. This is not that podcast. This is the Gareth Boo podcast. Oh, right. I have roped you in to do an episode with me. I'm a guest. You are a guest. and um, I'm a reliable guest. You're a very reliable guest. The price is right and you are easily accessible. Good. I thought I'd bring you on. Do you know what? I've been struggling with guests in the last couple of weeks, thinking who to get, because I've not been out of the house much. Um, for no bad reason. It's not like I've been, you know, under house arrest or anything. It's just that we've been busy. Me and you specifically on our kind of other thing. So people might be used to hearing you on our Better 24-7 podcast, where we talk about well-being stuff. But on this one, which is predominantly about mindset, okay. I wanted to bring you in because there's a couple of things that I forget because you live with me, you're very good at. Oh, well, thank you. It's all right. Um, I must also warn people watching on YouTube, I'm wearing shorts today. Um, I haven't got change into my run this morning. So what would you normally say? Minging. Minging. Yeah, I'm having a bit of a lazy day because um, we're going out tonight. So I thought, We're going to a party. We are off to a party, a 60th, which I'm quite excited about. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to going out. There'll be some decent food and I understand there's a band on. Yeah. Oh, is it? Oasis? Yeah. You know. Is it? Really? Excellent. Mm-hmm. I managed to get him to reform just for Gary's birthday. Well, they know him quite well. <laughs> Don't look back in anger. Right, so what I wanted to talk to you about today was environment. Oh, I can see why you, why you want to speak to I'll me about that. I'll explain more about that. The reason I've got so on today is, um, how long have we known each other now? How long have we been cohabiting? We've been cohabitating for more than six years now. More than six years. And we cohabit in this house where we record as podcast. This is our office. It used to be my man cave until you uh, infiltrated it. With my ghost chair and my purple lamp. It's much more girly and, I suppose, well, it's just your Does it feel nicer? I like you having the office. But the one thing that you have done consistently since I met you is you've had this ability to understand the importance of environment. Mm. And it, it is kind of an area of your expertise. And so when I was thinking about guests, I've got a list of people I want to talk to. And I think as the spring and summer comes in, those people will be more readily available and I'll have a bit more time to go out and about and chat to them. But I do like the idea on this podcast of getting people on a regular basis because most people I know, know a bit about a lot of things. And if people look at the podcast kind of blurb, it's I'm talking to interesting people about things and you're an interesting person. But we moved in here in 2014. Yes, March. And I remember vividly, we we were looking at houses and we'd seen a couple. We'd seen one. No, we'd seen two. Had we? At least we'd seen two. And then we came to see this house and we walked in and immediately I fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. Mainly because of the kitchen. Because it had kind of um, a checkered floor, like a chessboard. But mainly because of this room. The fact it had a downstairs, properly tanked out office, kind of won me over. Mm. But I, I kind of forget, and I'm sure we can remember easy enough, but I remember what the house did look like in other rooms before. In fact, even this room when we first came in, it was tangerine, wasn't it? Yeah, there was a lot of tangerine going on in this house and a lot of um, aniglipter. Aniglipter and that. And fitted you, wardrobes. I remember the fitted wardrobes. And if it had been me, just by myself, <laughs> if I'd have bought this house without your input, that's probably how it would still be looking right yes, now. Yes, it would. But over the course of the last six years, you've managed to turn this house, which is a lovely house, it's got some lovely rooms, into into a proper home because you have a knack of putting together spaces, environments, creating experiences. Mm, it is my thing. I do enjoy it. I get a lot of pleasure out of it. Well, I want to talk to you about that, mainly because I think it's the one thing that people misunderstand as as being important. We don't really understand the importance of environment. Environment, you know, mindset's very important, but sometimes to have the right environment helps with the right mindset. Mm. So, for instance, you know, I think you've often said it, that if you've got a house that's cluttered and full of rubbish, generally you'll find your mind the same way. Yes, I I read the other day, it's a sign of procrastination. What is the messy house? Yes. Oh, interesting. Well, there's also people also said that if you want to know what a man's mind's like, look at his shed. <laughs> so if you procrastinate. Um, and my, my shed's full of... Your shed's not bad as to what's in it, but you take things out and use them and then throw them back at a distance. 
I used to. Mm. I'm trying not to do that anymore. There's been big changes because I want you to kind of tell our listeners about when you first became interested in this concept of taking a space and changing how it looked, creating a different environment within the environment that was there already. Mm. So I know you've you've done up and made properties and messed about with That's that. That's how it started. I um buying my own house. Um so remember this, how many years ago was this? What year was this, should ooh, I say? Well, I bought my first property in nineteen eighty five. Goodness me, I would have been fifteen. Mm, I was twenty two. I was still buying the Beano and Penny Sweets. No, I was twenty one. Twenty one. Twenty one. And uh, it was uh, it was actually uh, we'd bought a, a retail unit, an old shop, and it had two floors above it, which were in a bad way, and we made it into a, a living space, quite open plan. Because you um, you started your career as a hairstylist, didn't you? I did, yes. And I'm guessing this was your first step out of working in somebody else's salon into having your own. Yeah, we, we, I wanted. We wanted to get our own salon and um, we needed somewhere to live. So this property came along and it was ideal. You know, we could do both. It was quite... Um, it served as well, especially in the early days when I then had a, a baby. It was not, It was very... Um, what's the word? Convenient? Convenient. It was very convenient. After a while it got too much, but for a couple of years it was very convenient to live above the shop. I was going to ask that. What is it like to do that? I've often, because I've often had, well, not so much in the last few years, but I did used to have an aspiration of having a shop and, and living above it. Mm. What's that like? Well, you get used to it. And um, it's like when you have your lunch, which was not very often, you can go up the steps and sit in your own house. <laughs> and then if anybody needs you in, in, in the salon, they can come and shout you. It does feel a little bit like that where we live now because we, we have his office we downstairs. Do here, yes. So my commute in the morning is, is 15 steps. Yes. Or stairs. 15, um, 15 stairs? 15 steps? But there is also that risk a little bit like today because I'm not going to a place of that's away from my home. I tend to, you can stay in your, your, your gym jams if you chose to. Yes, well, that's not allowed in here. Not after not, um, 8 o'clock. No, I get that. Apart from today. So I suppose with, with the apartment, well, apartment, with the flat above the salon, <laughs> it was quite old. And because we'd just started in business, we had no money. So it was about buying bits and pieces from like, you know, secondhand shops and using time to create something that was that was nice to live in. Break this down into, your, you've got your living space, I get that. Yeah. Now look at your, your salon. Because, yeah. again, I mean, I know this. I'm, this is more for the benefit of the listeners who don't know your story around your, your, your hair salon. That it was quite a big move for you to to leave the, the centre of Leeds, which was the, I'm guessing you're in the hub of... Yeah, we, it was the, very... I mean, it's not like... Salons. The city is not like it is now. But it was very... For me, at 14, going to work in, in Leeds was was quite mind-blowing, really. You know, the fashion and... The people, all the different kinds of people, was a bit of an eye opener, really. So did that affect you and how you dressed and behaved? Well, I've always been in because I'm creative and and we're talking about doing houses. I always liked fashion as well, and I went to work in a salon which was quite. It was very forward thinking at the time. We used to work with Vidal Sassoon's geometrics and asymmetrics were kind of the fashion. So there were very precise haircuts. We used bright colours. And so it was punk, it was at the start of the punk movement, so it was quite sophisticated haircuts based around the punk movement. So it was a good time to um, be, it was a good time to be young and starting out. Do you think you have that in every year, I, I, or every generation? Because I would say you're, you're a 70s girl. I'm a 70s girl. Uh, well, if you base it on the, the I sup, do you class the, the whatever you are? Because I mean, I would class myself as an 80s bloke. Is, well, it, is that, the, would you say the, or whatever year you are, the decade, is that the decade you're in your kind of formative years, that kind of 12 yes, to it 20? Was, it was, um, if I was a Saturday girl when I was 14, I would. it would have been 1976. So you're approaching the 80s, aren't you? Yeah, so 1976. So by the time I was sort of an adult, another four years later, it was 1980. 
Yeah. So it was very late seventies, early eighties. I mean, you know, although we are going to, you're talking now about property. I, I think for you, understanding what environment is is probably something we just should waste five minutes on, because environment is wherever you are. Would would you say that is correct? Wherever you spend your time, you're in. A new, you're always in an environment, whether you mm. like it or not. And I suppose the addition to our home and our workplace and our cities. The other environment we can spend time in these days is actually a virtual environment online. Mm. So there's no environment coming. So the thing about you when you when you first sort of came into this house, and we started looking at what to do, you, you used to sort of throw ideas at me that I think, what? <laughs> Your favourite saying used to be, "We won't be doing that." I used to say that a lot. <laughs> I, I was very opinionated um, back then. I'm still quite opinionated now, but. I was opinionated for a reason. I didn't always trust people. I used to, I, when you met me, I had a mm. business, I had a lot of staff. And sometimes you, you didn't to, trust anybody. Well, you, you, trust is based on giving people things to do and will they let you down or not? And I've got to say that in a lot of cases, people didn't always perform as I'd want them to. So I found sometimes that to be a little bit more direct. And over the years, I've got more trusting of you because you've proved you're trustworthy. You know, if you say you're going to do something, it's going to be done. If you say it'll look good, it'll look good. So, so you bought this first house. And that was your first kind of step into buying a property. Mm. So you've got your living upstairs. You've got your um, you've got your young child. What what did the was the environment in the salon downstairs very different to the area? Because it was in Rothwell, wasn't it? Yeah, it was in Rothwell, which is a suburb of Leeds. A fair, I would say a fairly affluent suburb. Okay, and was and and the way you made it look, the environment you created there to do your hairdressing. Mm. Was that very different for that area? Yes. I mean, we were still at the time where there was a lot of corner shops and salons with the hood dryers, and um, it was very old-fashioned. The thing was, because we had worked in Leeds, we'd built up a, a quite a good clientele, so they were they were more than happy to, to move. You know, a lot of them came from that area anyway. So to have a salon like that, it was quite new. It was quite different. So... It was, it was um, a lot of people came, really, because it was something different. I also think in an environment, especially in a, in a retail environment like a shop or a salon in your case, I would guess that the environment that you set up will affect the people that turn up. Oh, definitely. And over the years, because I had it 21 years, all in all, your clients, you, you kind of, they get filtered so somebody may come into the salon who's not a good fit for the salon and they only come two or three times and then they tend to disappear. So over time you build up a really strong core of, you become quite attached to them. They become not friends, but more than just um, somebody that comes and has a haircut. Yeah, so 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 this is the, this is the start of your journey into creating um, environments. Mm. So before that, when you when you were back at home, did you have your own bedroom? Did you have your own? I had my own bedroom. Did you and play it was about a... with this creativity there? As um, in, did you, did that look? Did you make that your own space? Well, it was about six foot square. A prison cell. <laughs> so I was quite limited. I couldn't hope. I couldn't open one side of the wardrobe door because of the single bed. So, but I did have a canary in one of those wooden cages that I put on the top of my wardrobe. Funny because when I when I lived at home, I had I had the small bedroom. Me and my sister used to kind of alternate, and the, there was a big there was the big there was the main bedroom. Well, mm. that was actually all of us. Me, there were mum and dad in in one bedroom, my sister another. Me, and there were three bedroomed house, and we've all we all alternated at times. No, so, we didn't. And and the thing that me and my sister did is I alternated into the big bedroom when I one Christmas Santa Claus brought me a pool table, right, which wouldn't fit in a room that was actually smaller than the pool table so I moved into that so I had the experience of living in a big space and then the small space and I preferred the small space well I had twin sisters so they had to have a bigger bedroom because there was two of them but looking back it was a small I mean it was a three bedroom detached but it was quite small but next to my bedroom there was like a um it was like a tiny bedroom without a window and looking back I think I could have knocked into that, you know, and had it bigger. It was near the bathroom. But, you know, in those days we had one bathroom, five of us. It used to be fun on the morning. But, yeah, I had, I was always really, really tidy. I had, I think I must have had a little bit of an OCD. So everything was laid out. And on the dressing table I had these crocheted mats that my grandma gave me. 
and I used to dust them off. I used to dust them off and put them back down right smooth. And I had a windmill on the window ledge that my mum had brought me back from Amsterdam. You're painting a great picture because all I'm seeing now is a canary in a wooden cage, <laughs> granny's crocheted whatevers, yeah. and um, a but windmill. But this was like 1975. So just another world. What my dad, my dad was a, a, a builder, really, by trade. He was a painter and decorator, and he was good at building. He kind of thought he was good at building. He used to have this fetish for building walls. I was the man that made the cement. The other thing he used to do is he used to make... He used to do a bit of joinery. So my bedroom at one time, and I would have guessed I would have been approaching me kind of early teens, maybe 13 at this time. And he, he put in, he turned this little small box room into it. He actually made a bed and underneath the bed with some storage and there were kind of cupboards above it. And I, I found having that kind of very small, compact, but full of space area. I really enjoyed that. When I think about the size of my wardrobe, it wasn't, a double wardrobe. It was yeah. like a small wardrobe. And I had three drawers. And I had everything I owned in that bedroom. Being a being a person who's creative, because clearly you've got to be creative to be an hairdresser. Um, and clearly from an early age, it sounds like you had an interest in turning properties into something else. So so with your, with your haircut, as with property, when you, when you saw somebody walking with, with hair yeah. for a cut <laughs> or you see a property, do you, can you almost, can you automatically see what that could be? Does yes. that happen easily to you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm like when um, I'm out and about, when we go to the chapel at the sculpture park. Yes. And it's, it's open, isn't it? And there's a mezzanine. Yeah, yeah. I just imagine living in it. I imagine where everything will be, where the false ceiling... I imagine everything in that space. I have learned since being with you now these these past sort of six years about the importance of environment. Much, much more... Looking back, I can recognise that times when I was more efficient both in business and in personal life is when I was in an environment that was supportive of that. But at the time, I didn't have the knowledge of environment and self-development to really mm. know why I was doing well. I, always, I thought, you know, you think, oh, you're doing okay. The first ever office I had was in um, in Morley. And I had like um, an office that didn't have a proper window. It had a, what's them, Velux blinds. Is it Velux blinds? Yes, on the ceiling. Yeah, on the ceiling. So we know the, Skyline. The, 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 office, the office basically housed my... my admin team and a couple of other off a couple of other people at desks and things right at one point there were about eight or nine people in that plus my office so my office was like doored off there was a door and it was the corner office and i remember i, I loved that environment because i could put the blinds down it'd be quite dark a bit like this office you can just leave a couple of lights and it's got a very different feel i can I could change the look and the feel of the environment with lighting mm. i find that's very important and that's something i noticed you did a lot of as well you were very good at changing the the environment and the feel of the place just by using different lighting especially candles and fairy lights fairy lights do you know i got a fairy lights off no paulie yates the late what i've heard personally she sent you a pack no there was um an an article about her in her house and um she's got fairy lights and i thought that's a great idea so i did hijack it skip forward you've had your salon 21 years and the one thing about you, again, for the benefit of the listeners, how many houses have you lived in? Um, I think I counted 23. 23 houses. 23. And of those 23 houses, I'm guessing you did most of them up? Yep. This is the longest I've lived in one house, six years. I think that's probably more down to me rather than you. <laughs> oh, I'd have moved a couple of years ago. Yeah, and, I, and, and that's the, the one thing I could never... I suppose it just shows you the difference between people, how you like to, you've lived in a lot of hours, I've lived in five, um, and quite frankly, that's probably three too many. Too many. <laughs> you know? um, but what I do like about a space is to get familiar with it. For me, I, I find the importance of a familiar environment um, something that I need. You know. To, However, because this house is a, is a nice space and it's got great big rooms, I'm, I'm already ahead of two or three years as to what it's going to look like because it will it will change and we can change this house we can improve this house a lot and change the the look of it because of, of the kind of house it is it's an old house we've got big rooms we've got some period features 
I love it. I mean, for me, for me, an environment's got to feel right. And especially where you live, you're going to spend a lot of time there. Mm. I mean, a lot of it you're asleep, but you do spend a lot of time in your home. And it has to feel like it belongs to you. It has to feel like it's a space that's supportive of what you want to do. And, and the last time you were on this podcast, we talked about Veganuary. Mm. And I think I mentioned this on the Better 24-7 podcast a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> no, nobody listened to it. It would appear that we'd mentioned a subject that nobody was interested in at all. You know, okay, I get that. Um, but the, the interesting thing with, with a subject like that is it's quite, you know, people have got an opinion of it. Not everybody chooses to, to, to eat that way or whatever. But the thing about environment is it's one of those things that everybody's in an environment every second of every day. And I, I wanted to, to kind of give you my thoughts on what I see you do and then tell me whether you're conscious of this. Okay. So you have this thing with, um, even, even in the home, even though we haven't changed it much, you're always moving something about. Something will change even subtly. Like you'll, you'll, you bring flowers in every week. Yes, I do. And, and and those flowers tend to be the same thing. You tend to every every three or four weeks. In fact, it's four weeks. You every, tend to go. every fornight. Every fornight we get some lilies. Clean the house. Clean the house, get, go some, get, some, get lilies. some lilies. Sometimes even, white. But even that, sometimes you'll like just use a different vase. And I don't know whether you do it because you think, well, you know, it were more convenient. Or do you, do you use that vase because you want it to make it just look a little bit different? Yeah. The thing is, you know, I have that vase that's like an old glass um, chemistry yeah, I like bottle. That one. Yeah. So that's got a narrow, and it spreads the flowers out. But if you if you st- if your stems are too long, bend. Yeah. So you have to cut. Make sure you cut the stems. But but I like the lilies tall, so I tend to put them in that really big vase. And in the smaller one, I'll put something like tulips or more seasonal. Like I've just bought some um, daffodils, something more coloured and more seasonal in the smaller ones. When I when you first put um, fairy lights up, because I think we I know we've got some up that are still up now that you put up about four Christmases ago. <laughs> Been up a long time. They're not exactly fairy lights. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not that like, great, really. No, but they're very subtle. They're never turned off either. They've no. been on constantly for about four years, and they're like a very subtle little like a little night light, like a little jewelry thing. Mm. Um, not not a jewel as in not, a lady, you know, no, a jewel not, as in, not, as in like gems, jewelry. not me jewelry, me gem, <laughs> gems. And I found that is something now that just them little touches in the house, things like that, the way that we've got certain, like you've used bottles of wine, empty bottles of wine as, as a feature in, in the living room. We've got some bottles of wine, I believe came from your daughter's wedding. Yes, it did, because they're quite unusual. We've got that up there. We've got some glasses, some like really bold coloured glasses. We have. And we've also got in, in the living room, which, which kind of shouldn't work, but does, we've got a juicer and a leasy lemon squeezer yes, we are. and when you look at the the i the, think it's got some beads hanging off it it has it? it's got some rosary beads hanging off it and it's next to a mannequin which is next to a old miner's lamp mm. and you look and you think this this shouldn't work but it kind of does when so is I, that something you you is that a style you've developed or is it something you've just got I suppose what I'm saying is, if you create an environment, what, what a lot of people do, you know, they go somewhere like DFS or Barker and Stonehouse, and everything matches. And where I can see the kind of uniformity in that, I've learned over the years that that, that just doesn't look right sometimes. No, this comes back to my early days of wanting to be different. And I think apart from the big sofa upstairs, everything else is more unique. I mean, the bed, the four-poster bed, I had made. Um, we have an old Italian sideboard. It's the it's with the cushioned material and the, and the mirrors. An old table I got from eBay with some IKEA chairs. I've got a big leopard print winged chair, which I had made a long, long time ago. So every, a lot of things have been picked up off from second-hand stalls, from eBay, because I wanted to create one-offs. So, yeah, I mean, I passed next this morning and there was a lovely chair and a matching footstool and it was £800. And I think for £800, I could find something a hundred times better than that. 
you you have got this knack of, of, of finding things. And I know that when we've been to kind of what you call, is it called retro these days, second-hand shops, whatever you yeah, like. Yeah, whatever you want to call You them. pick up bits and pieces and there's little subtle things you can find. I remember I had mentioned Veganuary now, that podcast was, that was, we talked about a major change in our diet. Mm. The other thing we had a major change in our relationship and, and our kind of, certainly for me, was when we moved in here, we, we, had, we, we started to simplify the home a lot. I got rid of a lot of clothes. But before we even got rid of the clothes, there's one thing we didn't bring into this house that really changed for me the feel of the environment. We didn't bring a TV into it. No, we didn't. We brought it in and it went out again. Didn't fit, did it? Well, the only place was in front of the window and it was quite depressing. <laughs> well, I think the, the reason I mentioned this is of all the changes I've made to my environment in the last six years, and we've made significant change in a lot of areas, we'll talk a little bit more about them shortly, but just removing the TV changed the feel of this house and changed the environment we spend most of our time in. And I think that's had a big impact on our overall well-being, certainly our our kind of... I think it's health, if I'm honest. I mean, people talk now about things. I mean, I was, what were I reading something earlier about EastEnders on the news? Doc Cotton. I, remember, I, I, I don't I watch remember Doc Cotton. Well, she's now retired. She's not going back I to EastEnders. I didn't even know she was still 93 years old is the woman. Wow. And I people talk about things like, oh, did you watch this? Did you watch that? And the answer is no. So when we first came in, we decided the TV didn't fit. We'd not really been watching TV much before because no, we did live we somewhere else before we lived here we, for a little while. And that had a big, a, a big impact. And I suppose I want to ask you your, your kind of views on getting the right environment to support what you're doing that, in that environment. Mm. So clearly with your um, salon, mm-hmm. I'm guessing the salon downstairs was there to support people coming in, enjoying getting the haircut and having asymmetric haircuts and things like that. When you're setting a home up, what environment are you trying to create? What feel do you want when people walk into a home that you have created i like flow and i like space by this may be egotistical i like people to walk in and say wow what an amazing house that's not egotistical knowing that i've done it on a shoestring and and picked a lot of things up myself is is not is nice all my friends you know all two of them they like to come here find it relaxing. Candles are a big thing for me, even though there's always wax everywhere. You know, all you have to do is turn your light off and put a few candles on and light your fire and you've got another environment. Well, we have a very modern-looking candelabra on our dining table. It's the one from a very modern Ikea. Right. But, you know, I went to my friend's the other day and she's got this huge silver-plated reindeer with, you know, the antlers... And it was there were candles on, and I kept meaning to ask her where she got it from. It was huge; it won't fit in here because we spent a lot of time getting rid of clutter. I don't want to start building it up again. I think that's important because that that is something I do want to talk about. Because you change environment. The big thing that I, I knew when we came here again, there was this word you've used it there you used, on a shoestring, and we did put this house back into order with not a massive amount of expense. Per room? No, we didn't because we decided to kind of make do with things that were that were still serviceable, like the kitchen and the bathroom. We had to have the downstairs shower room done because it was leaking and it was old. on it. But that that changed from a scabby old shower room with a, a cubicle, a rattly cubicle, and a, a little round sink in the corner to something you would get. You said to me, I want it to look like a hotel, something you would find in a hotel. And it does. And we did, and that was not a shoestring, but that was a big job. And still, I chose the tiles wisely, I chose the flooring. It wasn't as as expensive as a lot of people may think. Your home is, is primarily a space where you need to go, for me, certainly my home, has got to be something I feel safe in, I feel relaxed in, and I feel comfortable in. And that was achieved very quickly. And and even now, I, I often do it when I come down in the morning. I just, I feel really grateful for the space I live in. It's like our bedroom. We've got fitted wardrobes at one end, which we've got the bed, we've got space at the side, and it was cra- it was narrow and cramped, but we needed the storage. So we had mirrored doors put up. 
which to me was quite a bit of a no-brainer, really. If you want to create more of a bigger-looking space... Well, it's a no-brainer when you know what you're doing. And I think that that's something that runs through not just the work we do with Better 24-7, but certainly when I'm looking at stuff around mindset and talking to people, it's very easy to say something you know something about. There's, there's some very obvious things when you know, know it. You've got to sometimes remember other people don't know that. And I wanted people to get out of this podcast, really. I thought, I, I want in the end, I want you to come up with some, maybe three, you can think about them a little bit now, but three tips for, for improving any environment. Because I think if you can get switched on to thinking, actually, the, the place and the space as we spend our time have a massive impact on how we feel, how we think, how we behave. And this house is set up now, it's a very functional house in some ways, but because of the eclectic mix, it still keeps that kind of Victorian terraced house, which is what it is. It comes mm. into its own very much at autumn and, and winter, especially Christmas. Something nice about this house was the Victorian houses tend to have two reception rooms, two quite big reception rooms, and this was already knocked through, so it just had one huge big living space, which I do like. It's got a good floor. Obviously, the people that do know you or have seen you on the podcast before and are listening to the podcast before know that you are a yoga teacher. I am a yoga teacher now. And you are a yoga teacher and nutritional <laughs> expert. And I wanted to talk about that and, and to do with environment because you've had the experience recently, which has been quite interesting for me to tell me about mm. or whinge about, uh, whichever, <laughs> discuss with me when you come back. Is you, you, you currently have several classes, but there are a couple that stand out for me that you talk about and one is at a at a local hotel mm-hmm. with a with a gym facility and it's a chain of hotels and that environment in there sounds very supportive of, of the yoga class you do mm, it is and then you have another place you go to which you know i think you've stood in for somebody haven't you I stood in for somebody and then I got legged up into taking it over. Right. Well, without going into what the place is called, because that would be unfair and not the purpose of this podcast, but that space there, I think it's clear, is not the right environment to do yoga. No, it's not. So explain to the listeners why. Tell me, tell me if it's so, what is, so, so what do you need as an environment to do yoga, really? Okay. Well, you need a warm space. Warm space. Okay. You need a nicely lit place. You need somewhere there you can lower the lights. Yes. So you need the lights to be um, yeah. interchangeable. You need quiet. Okay. Um, because you, that you want to put your music on. You need to be able to speak to people. So you want it to be quiet. So basically warm, good lighting and quiet. And, and from what I it. understand, the place <laughs> that you do this class in is uh, very bright, yeah. very cold, yeah. and very noisy. Yeah. So all three things absolutely are not conducive whatsoever to they a have. successful yoga studio. Exactly. What, it's so noisy. What I find interesting about the, the debacle that is that place is this is this is a, a gym. It's, it's kind of a bit of a budget gym. It's a budget gym, yes. And this will give people the wrong impression. If that's the only place they practice yoga, it will give them a completely wrong impression of what yoga is as an experience. Yes, it would. And that's why that environment is important. Mm. So, for instance, if you go to... I mean, we've, I've done yoga with you in different places and we, we a couple of... How many years ago now we went to Portugal? Before. So four years ago we went to Portugal on a yoga retreat. This was a place that was purpose-built... Well, not so much purposeful, but it's it to be purposely re, it to be repurposed yeah. as a yoga studio, and that was a great environment. It was fab. It fab. was fab. It was a fab environment, and again, when you went there, there was a different experience of it. So, if you are somebody that is maybe struggling, let's let's look at some things people struggle with that are quite common. One is a lot of kind of maybe stress. We get we're stressed, mm. or we feel overwhelmed, or we feel like everything's getting on top of us. Mm. We, I think we're both quite clear with this generally these people tend to have environments that aren't really that calm anyway. No, or, I have... A, they are quite cluttered, so it does affect does the environment, how you behave. I, my friends that come here that love this house, and they won't mind me saying, because they know they both <coughs> have really, really cluttered houses, and they do get quite overwhelmed by stuff. They take no notice of me whatsoever about clearing up. And uh, one friend in particular, bless her, she's got a cluttered house and she keeps moving houses. She takes it all with her. And what she does is she'll put some of it in storage 
and then she'll get settled in and then she'll bring it all out of storage and put it in this in a different house and there is something quite emotionally people become attached to to stuff as much as they can become attached to um their husbands or somebody and and letting it go or giving it away or selling it or however you want to um dispose of it is is uncomfortable very uncomfortable i've given away clothes because when i met you i had more of a a corporate going on so i had more smarter clothes i had some nice dresses i used to collect vintage stuff and over the years i've got rid of i must have got rid of two-thirds of it and as you know i've still got quite a lot and some of that was difficult to to let go because there was a story behind it i felt good wearing it i enjoyed it it was just there was no purpose anymore for it. And so if somebody else could get the same sort of pleasure out of it, I let it go. But some of the things I didn't let go and I still have them. And I will never, ever. I'll just pass them on when I die for somebody else to, to be stuck with them. When, when, we, when, we, when I think about how some people discuss mindset... There's, it can be quite, um, um, that's what I'm looking for. There can be kind of a macho thing about mindset, having a strong mindset, having that kind of, you know, get it, go get it kind of attitude to life. <coughs> Excuse me. And some of the stuff we're talking about today is really can, can, can almost sound a bit kind of soft, you know. This is about having fairy lights and, you know, chairs made of leopard print. But all these things are massively influential that you can't, you cannot have order and you cannot have peace and tranquility in your life if you don't have that order peace and tranquility in your home no you can't so even even if you go out and you say i want i want to start doing something it's a little bit like you talk in the way there that you didn't let all the clothes go in one go it's how i see people deal with a lot of things is they go all at it like a bull in a china shop and want it overnight so so the, let's look at the reality the reality is People do this, by the way. If you brought a company, you know, you decided one day to say, right, it is, I'm going to take this weekend and I'm going to completely and utterly get rid of everything I do not need. And there are people that go and do that. I think what happens is you end up maybe getting rid of too much stuff too soon and you haven't had the chance to emotionally let it go. So if you're gonna if if you're gonna do anything that involves going from one place to another, you have to say this is going to take a period of time. Don't rush it. Because our decluttering of this house and getting the environment to as it is exactly now, probably visually the walls and some of the stuff in it have been here since we, we came in, as in the, when we had the decorating done. But chipping away at the little bits and pieces and decluttering has probably taken a couple of years, really. And you continue to have to keep doing it. You still yeah, do build well, up bits of clutter. I do it. Do. Last week I was looking at some of my kind of clothes and there are clothes in there that are never going to fit me again, unless I get fat. <laughs> And I don't intend to get fat, so why am I keeping them? And I realised that the clothes that I bought and I loved at the time, mm. I've got a, a barber jacket, which I love. And I've got two, actually. I've got a wax one and like a quilt one. Neither of them fit me particularly well. And I'm realising now there's probably another exercise for me to declutter a bit more. This office, I mean, you know, this office has looked so different to when we first came here. There's a lot of the furniture going out of it at one point, or one side of it was, was like a fitted desk. Now it's there's only this desk left here and a couple of little sideboards. If you think about environment and you think about other spaces that you think people maybe let slip, you know, we've got your home. What about cars? How important is it that you keep your, your transport in good order, as in the environment inside your car? It's all, it's all the same. You know, my car's been hoovered, I've hoovered my car out. It looks great. Um, they had a small child in it the other day with a biscuit and I was like trying not to uh, well no it didn't bother me I'll get cleaned again but that is because my car is like an extension of my office because I travel to different places I quite often have things in the boot and then I come out and then I need them in the house and I've got to go back out to the car because I can't always carry everything in an hour in one go but it's the same your car your clothes your house Everything. Well, without trying to drag ourselves back into stuff people didn't want to listen to, which was January, we could talk about our fridge and our kind of space we keep as food now. 
that's become simplified over the last couple of years, especially the last 12 months. And very rarely do we have any, we never throw anything away anymore. No. We always have, we always utilize our space because the one thing about having an environment which is supportive of what you want to do means you can always find things easily. So like now in our fridge, you know what's in there, things are hiding behind tins. We, but again, we have to do that on a regular basis. Yeah, and it still builds up. So I suppose what I'm alluding to here is keeping an environment right is a constant job. It's not something you can do once every six months. Excuse me. You have to be constantly vigilant. Of, are you bringing things in you don't need? Is the environment supportive of what you want to do? So like you, we decided to do a podcast today. How long did it take us to set the podcast up? Five minutes. Because so all I need to do is bring a camera out. The, the, the podcast is pretty much set up all the time. The environment down here in this office is set up to record podcast within five minutes. You know, I did one outside a while ago. I have to maybe bungle that up and take it out, but I know where everything is. And that's the one thing I've realised. Because we keep the house tidy and because you create a space which is um, kind of feels good to me, you kind of want to keep it tidy. You want to keep it organised. What about was uh, bed sheets? What do I call them? You call them hotel style bed sheets. That's how you were sold them bread sheets. <laughs> bread the, sheets. Bread sheets. That's me. I'm hungry. I was sold them. They were in a catalogue, and it said hotel style sheets, and I bought them based on that. They're pure white. But you know, we get in them when they're newly put on, and we're like, "It's like being in a hotel." <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to just—I'm trying to avoid this podcast becoming right girly and a bit kind of wussy. I'm going to have to ramp it up a bit because we've—we've we've, we've been talking about flowers and, and bed sheets and fairy lights. But are they things that make you feel good? Right, they are. Because let me tell you this: if you were single and lived here alone, if I lived here alone and I was single, I'd be no, eating beans out of yeah. a tin. There'd be, be no socks flowers. everywhere. There'd be nothing. There'd be no... Cl- I mean, I go on about clean clothes. When you wash and dry your clothes and you can smell that Right, no more soft smell. talk. Let's get... <laughs> right. It must create a nice it, place no, it does. for you. It does create that. And I think we need that. So, joking apart, I think we all have to have that feeling of comfort and, and peace in his own home. The one thing that we talk about environments saying it's wherever we are. So clearly we spend a lot of time in a home. This is one of our main environments. The other might be where you work, your office. And even if you don't work in a space that's your own, like it's not your own office, you'll probably have a desk. Again, you can take care of that environment. Everything in an environment should be supportive of what that environment is for. The one so, room you didn't have a lot to do with over the years is this office. I did have it painted. You did paint it and it's a beautiful red at this side. I did this choose side, the colours. You did. But generally what's in it now, it's been set yeah. up. And I've always felt very proud of this area because I love it. I've always loved this office. I love the fact it is set up as a bit like a, almost like a media studio. I like to think of it in my own mind. Oh, and there's this picture there with one of us busy mates. Me and you and Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. You were a pest that night, weren't you? <laughs> leave us alone, would you? Right, fuck off, to go I'm trying to eat with dinner. You that, you? It was bad. But there are other places we spend time. And the one thing, again, I wanted you to talk about, because you are, I think, an expert at this, mm-hmm. and it's something I think that, any, unless people are doing this already, and I, I will guarantee most people listening to this podcast won't be doing this already, I'm sure they're going on holiday and having trips, but you spend a lot of time creating an, an experience in an environment that's different. You look at trips and, and travel in a very different way. Well, with the onset of um, Airbnb and very economical flights and a computer to look at you can create some image and well i do don't i we end up usually staying in some building or some abode with somebody else or or not that creates an experience like when we went to venice i wanted us to live i wanted us to stay with a venetian because we'd been before to a beautiful hotel and we went to the Doge Palace, did all the tourist stuff, really, really enjoyed it. This time wanted a different experience at the same city. So with Airbnb, I wanted to stay in a, with a Venetian, in, in a Venetian-style house. And we did. I think this again shows your creativity. We spent time in um, Lake Garda when we stayed in a castle. <laughs> there were only us in it. That's happened quite a lot. We, we, well, we this drove happens down, a lot in restaurants didn't we? as well. We tend to find places where there's only us there. We drove down to Lake Garda in virtually one one first swoop. Yeah. And we, so we got there early because we ended up staying in another hotel the night before because we'd got there too early. And we just drove up this like little road through a village up a hill 
And there was this castle. I did have an idea of what it looked like, clearly. And um, it was, yeah, it was fun because she went home on a night. There were only a few staff because there was, a, I think there was another couple when we got there and then they went. So somebody came and did breakfast. So we were in this like castle over, over on this hill overlooking Lake Garda. And we had really strong winds one night, remember? Yeah. I mean, it was cold. It was December. I, I have been on many holidays in over the years. Um, and I mean, this, <laughs> what? But we stayed in Switzerland and we hung a pint of milk out of the window because it was fr- it were freezing, freezing. And on the last day, we found a little fridge. We found a fridge. <laughs> but again, I've been on many holidays and none of them are as memorable as the ones I've been that you have created. Ah. And that's not just because you're there, which, you know, does help. Mm. But it's because everyone is different. Everyone is kind of unique. And when we have gone, I mean, we do spend a lot of time I suppose we have the spa- the place we spent most time as a couple away on holidays, Ibiza. And you've cho- oh, I chose the first. I chose the hotel the first time yeah. we went because I knew of it, and that was nice. It's a nice little hotel, isn't it? It's, well, it's not more of an hotel. Like it's, it's more of a. It was like bed a bed and breakfast, and breakfast yeah. really, and it was a very. It was owned by Terry Thomas back in the day. It was very private and small. And that was in Santa Eulalia. And the second time, Raquel's place. Yeah. Raquel, bless her heart. Bless her. Yeah, she died not long after we left. That was a very unusual, that was just, that well, the, was probably the best the world, experience. And, the, and last year was unique. I mean, you couldn't, yeah. re, re, for many reasons, you couldn't replicate that. In, in some cases, I'm not sure you'd want to. <laughs> but, but what I like is that even, I mean, the last place we stayed at was a bit, was a bit ropey as far as an habitation's concerned. Yeah, you actually, you'd be a little bit. But the actual area was amazing. But again, what we happened to do is we took we took we we made sure the environment we spent this day, which was the beach, was very mm. different. So this this is all ticking the same kind of box, which is how do you make the most of the environment you're in at that particular time? Yeah, because where we were staying wasn't a great environment, so we'd get up and, and we'd once go we got ready, and we were off most of the day. So we, we used it a as a bed, really, didn't yeah. we? It was a place to sleep, and yeah. we were getting there quite late, and it was a place to keep us clothes. But the rest of the time we were out and about, we spent a lot of time, and it forced us to be in a different environment, which is mm. more natural. And again, I, th- I think that's that's a nice little segue into the other environment we think is very important, spending time outside. Because mm. of all the things, you've, you've made the house, you've got a bit of a talent for that. You've definitely got a talent for organising holidays. But the thing you introduced me to, which I didn't understand the importance of until I'd experienced it with you, was the importance of spending time outside, being in nature and walking. It's like medicine. Well, it's, not, it's not like medicine because it doesn't... It don't cure you. It's. I don't get why people don't go outside. You know what I think it is. I don't think people know. The reason I wanted to bring you on today and talk about this is I think a lot of people don't understand how important environment is, and I probably do, and I don't think they would know how to change it. And yet the changes can be very subtle and very simple. And you've proved that to me. And the one thing that's coming up now, I'm going to mention it now because it, it kind of makes sense. We've talked about houses. We've talked about um, cars. Okay, okay, houses, cars. We've talked Work. about holidays, um, and we talked about nature. And what can tend to happen is people have this kind of very set way of looking at those things. So, like now, we live in an area which is quite a lot of building going around by us that they're expanding Wakefield quite significantly, and they, these are all brand new houses. And, you know, the pamphlets outside and the, no, the, the, the things outside dream all show home. dream home. But there's something a little bit soulless about them places and very kind of, it's very similar. Whether you buy one of them homes in Wakefield or you bought one in Essex. The practical though. Right. I get that. It's practical and it's kind of done a lot for you. You don't have to do a lot of thinking. It's already decorated. I bet they don't have up. roof problems after a few years. Well, they're, they're probably, they will have, they'll all have problems. The other thing about holidays is people... So people tend to look at these houses, they're very popular, and the people are pushing people into buying these done houses. When people go on holiday, people tend to think, I'll just go down to Thomas Cook, or did that go bankrupt, Thomas Cook? Yeah. Anyway, they won't go there anymore. But they go to a a place and buy a holiday out of a brochure. Tom, they buy an holiday out of a brochure. Or when they go outside... They, they might say, well, I'm going to have a day out. So they'll go to the obvious places. We'll go to the seaside. And then you walk up and down a seafront with everybody else. Or let's say you go into the countryside, you go to a place that mo- a lot of other people are at. What you tend to do and find, and I found the power of, is going off the beaten track a bit. 
So, okay, with your house, it's, you don't have to be in track with that, but just by bringing new things in, eclectic-looking equipment and, and, and furniture, you make it look different to everybody else's. By going on a holiday that you've created and put the bits together on, you create a unique experience that there's not a lot of other people doing. And the same with walking outside. We tend to walk, when we do go out walking the countryside, apart from we do the obvious thing like the Yorkshire Three Peaks, which can be busy, we tend to walk in places where nobody else is walking. Mm. Because... Being outside is so important, and again, it's an environment that you can you can make work for you if you choose it. And a lot of people don't understand it. They think going outside is complicated. I mean, how many times have we been walking? Especially, <laughs> I was thinking about this because it's going to be your son-in-law we talk about here because he, he's kind of he didn't do this on purpose, but I see a lot of this he, up in Haworth in Bradford, where the Brontes are from. Is that yeah. Haworth? And there's a walk there, a very kind of well-known walk. And again, if you're going to well-known walk, there's a lot of people on it. Mm. And we've been up there and seen people wandering about, literally, on, on days in early spring, when it's wet and a bit muddy, in in white trainers and white white leggings. Oh, he'd set off driving and forgotten his boots. And, and Robert had forgot his boots, so he had to do this seven-mile walk in white, white converse. converse. <laughs> they went white long, were they? No. Environment does affect how you think. And I, I, I would always suggest if somebody starts to say, I'm, I'm feeling overwhelmed, start by looking at the environment you spend your time in. Are they conducive of what you're doing? You know, I spend a lot of time now outside. I, you know, I do me walking and me running on the morning. And that's because you encourage me to go out and spend time outside. And even now, I tend to find that I can go and run around here. And I love the environment across here the, where, where we live. There's like um, a fairly, it's a new housing estate, but it's built from an old building, isn't it? It was an old hospital yes. that they've converted. And I love the area around there. But I love the canal. I love going down to the canal where the, the, the little boats are and the, the nanoboats. And, and the rubbish and that. It's not all any rubbish down there. You, I just think you've got a downer about the um, the water people. No, they, they, but going down there takes me into a different environment. It feels like a different environment. It's very supportive of me walking and running on the morning. You... You and your kind of choice of, of holidays, choice of home decorations, choice of clothing, do you think that's something you can learn? Is it, or is it something you have? I think it is something that you have and you do expand on it as you get more... As you get older and you look around more. Because I was just thinking about it then. My parents, neither of them are remotely creative no creative hobbies. Um, they're just not. And I have two sisters and they'd be the first to admit not creative. So I don't really know. It was just, you know, I just emerged this little black sheep from the family. And I just, I just always had my own ideas. And nobody ever liked me. My mum and dad never liked me and they used to always fall out with me because I didn't do what everybody else did and they didn't like it. I don't think they care now when my dad's not here anymore. I think my mother gets a bit proud sometimes, the fact that I just please myself. So I think it's something... Yeah, because even as a small child, I could spend hours with glue and cardboard. Well, like sniffing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, making... A bag of glue and some cider. Making things. <clears throat> and now, as you know, I love cooking. I love creating and that's, to me, that's cathartic. If I'm feeling a bit fed up, if I've got a day at home, the weather's bad, go to the shops, buy loads of food, do loads of batch cooking, put it in little portions, take it out to the freezer. I'm like in my element. I think whatever environment you spend your time in encourages you to be more of that. If you tend to spend time in a place that is very much focused on health and fitness, you're going to get healthier and fitter whether you like it or not. And I, I think that... I suppose what I would guess is if you've got some children or young people, or even if you want to change yourself, spending more time in an environment that supports that thing you want to become can't make you worse at it, can it? You know, if you, if you go and, and spend time in a, in a gym, you know, around health and fit people in a gym, you spend more time there, you do start to think and behave in a different way. We've, we've done more walking since we did more walking if that makes sense. The more time we spent outside, the more times we felt like walkers. You kind of, your environment can make you feel like the thing you want to be. So I know people that run businesses and especially, and 
it's not just me, most people know somebody who works as a, as a small business. If you are working from your kitchen table and you're surrounded by breakfast pots and, and that, and you haven't got a space that's conducive to doing business, it's very difficult to feel like you're doing business. Mm. When we come down here now, this office could be anywhere. This office could be in the town centre of Leeds, Wakefield, London. We're lucky to have this office. People have lucky. to rent office spaces. Remember that one you rented around there? That was garbage. It was not even as big as this one. The, the problem with that is it was it was by a company who were known for, for leasing offices out on a temporary basis. And it wasn't it wasn't good enough. I, it, I wanted a quiet space to work. It, it wasn't quiet. It was noisy. It would be like you with the yoga. It didn't sit well with being an office you could utilise for anything. Mm. Environment and mindset are linked. And, and the way we can kind of adjust our mindset around environment is asking, is the space we're using giving us what we need from it? If you have got a home right now that's cluttered, you've got to get on top of it. It's almost like what happens is when we talk about things, certainly on podcasts, but with other people sometimes, <coughs> it can be very difficult for them to recognise and admit that something's wrong. You talk, we talk about this, I don't know why. If you've done it wrong, you've done it wrong. Say, so I've done it wrong and change Yeah, it. but we, the, the reason is most people are tied in emotionally to that thing they've done and they don't like... This is why people stay the way they do. Yeah, you know, which, when, when did we do Don't Be Offended? Well, that was on our Better 24-7 podcast. Don't offend people. Well, actually, I don't give a shit whether they offend them or not. The majority of the reason most people are not as well physically as they need to be is because they're lazy. He said, there's no other question in my mind. It's not, oh, it's this. No, you're lazy. Because you can do something to affect how you eat, how you exercise. You can do that immediately because you're going to have a meal in the next four hours, whatever time of day you're listening to this. The same with the environment. If you've got a, if you've got a cluttered home and everything's cluttered, it's going to make you think in a cluttered way. All you've got to do is set aside a couple of hours to start the process of getting decluttering done. And you're going to start to feel that flow in your house. I cannot cope with chintzy, busy houses. I love the simplicity. But who has chintzy, busy houses nowadays, Look, apart from old people? I think a lot of people, you'd be surprised. Oh, so I, like I, a I young like couple, like, go right. get a nice new house and they go and buy chintzy stuff. No, the first thing to put in is a big fuck-off television, right? <laughs> Which is, again, a waste of time. Don't get a bigger television, get some more books. That's what you should be doing. And I suppose, I've been on a bit of a roll this week about my own kind of... Because it's Don't my podcast. Don't forget you're interviewing me. I know I'm interviewing you. But I'm kind of making sure the people listen to this to get the message as well. I've realised we're becoming too soft and we're, we're, we're tolerating people doing things which are not correct. This is to do with environment. I went out this morning running. I've been now running every day this week. And every day this week, five or six doors up from here, outside, is some food thrown all over the floor. It's the same food, by the way. It's obviously remnants of some doner kebab some chilli sauce nobody's touched and, a, and a, a tin of that or some of that yoghurt sauce with some leaves that I think remotely at one point resembled iceberg lettuce. Now, you could say, why don't you pick it up? I think, fuck it, I ain't picking it up. Firstly, I'm, it, it, I don't know where it's been. It's clearly not been into somebody's stomach yet. It wasn't vomit, but it's a mess. And that's just somebody who is not respecting their environment. Now, it's outside somebody's door. Now, if it was outside the, the house of my door, then I would make some effort. I would get somewhere clean. But because it's powering a run and I don't have any equipment with me to pick it up, people have started to get lazy and they're letting environment slip. And we're not bringing in this respect for the environment and we're not respecting our own environments in our own home sometimes and also as an, on a wider scale. We did something a couple of years ago, which we mentioned before, probably not on this podcast, we used to clean rubbish up on an evening when we went walking, didn't we? We did. And even now, if something is pickable up, if it's a bottle or a tin or something, and I'll, I'll pick that up. But I ain't putting my hands into what must now be seven-day-old doner kebab meat. I mean, I tell you how bad it is. There's clearly dogs walk up and down there. The dogs won't eat it. So I don't know what Anil is that in that. That was there last Sunday. I know, we well, were... it's even worse. It's getting it's nearly week. And there's an element now of laziness, and people are saying, I don't have time. Um, I don't have, you know, I can't do that. I don't have to. You've no excuse. Decluttering your house, getting the environment right is so important. If you don't listen to this and ignore it, it's like people ignore when we talk about, you know, looking after what you eat or looking after getting in shape. It's going to cane you at some point. All these people that put things online, the one thing that really gets on my tits is when it'll say, why o'clock? What? You're a grown adult 
And the, the best thing you can choose to put on your Facebook timeline is it's wine o'clock. It's not, it's like a pubescent child showing off because they're drinking a can of Strongbow. Look at me with Strongbow, I've got half a cigarette. Your fitness, your environment and your mindset are directly a result of the choices you make. And if you want to change them, you've got to change them. And getting the right environment is important. You, you bring creativity in. And I think even if you're not that creative, you can start to, you know, bring things in that make you feel comfortable. But that's what young people do. You're saying what they do. They, I believe they have houses that are cluttered. I, I, okay. This makes me sound like a peeping Tom, which is not the case. Because of where I run in the morning, I run past houses. And it's quite obvious because I can see in their living rooms. The, and sometimes the people are walking by. You know, it's the, the living room and they're there. And these are young people. The houses are a disgrace. The other day, Sue, I went past a house that I can see from our door. There was a Christmas tree still up. No lights on, by the way, thank goodness. And there were some of the decorations still on. So it's obviously somebody had half taken the tree down. There was even a, a, some really cheap tatty paper thing on the wall saying, um, Merry and Bright. The Christmas stuff were up. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe they've come back from holiday. Maybe they've been away. It's been like that for months. And there's a woman wandering around in there. And the place is full of clutter. And the reason I noticed on an evening, guess why? Because from about a quarter of a mile away, I can see the fucking television. I'm swearing a bit today. I do apologise if I was easily offended by swearing. Should have known that anyway before you listened. Massive telly. People's environment is something they're not taking seriously. It's affecting their mindset and their well-being. And they don't really understand why. They're getting out of a cluttered house into a cluttered car, going to a cluttered office. How is that going to make you feel cluttered? So you've got to get on top of it. And I think you're a, a prime example of somebody who can... Add some time and some thinking to it, a little bit of gumption, and create wonderful things. The stuff you can put together with food, that's another way of, of sorting that environment out. Because the kitchen's set up and you know what you're doing and you've learned a few skills, them skills didn't always come naturally to you. You've had to learn them. You've had to put the effort in to learn how to cook these dishes. You've had to put the effort in to learn how to do everything you've done, including your yoga. So when people come here to the yoga, it's a very different experience to turning up at that local gym, isn't it? It is. They get candles and incense. So let's assume people are still listening to this and haven't been offended and pissed off. What would you give as a tip? Let's look at the primary environment we spend the time in this home. Give three tips you would do right now to improve the environment in your home to make it more supportive of tranquility, peace and relaxation. What are the three things, three top tips from Susan Cowlishaw? For your home. Um, to improve the environment of your home. First of all, declutter. Right. And it's a good idea to rope a friend in. Because right. they're a little bit more, um, what's the word? Um, they're less attached to your stuff. They, they'll be a lot more, I don't know what the word is. <laughs> I'd bring a friend in, one you can trust. And I wouldn't, I know a lot of people tell you to choose a room. I wouldn't. I'd choose something like your wardrobe or your kitchen cupboards and because that will take you long enough. So get a bit of decluttering, get a friend to help you. Second is lighting. You know, yeah, you don't right. have to have a big lighting system, but you can pick up some nice table lamps, cheap enough from Ikea or Next or some second-hand place, and lighting would really make your home look a lot different. If you can be bothered, lick a paint. You know, this house is Victorian. It can have nice dark colours. A lot of houses can have dark colours, but people shy away from them. And look at things like candles and things that smell nice in your bathroom, you know, just, and and make sure that you, and this sounds, this does sound girly, make sure that like your towels are washed and clean and you feel good when you put things on and it's a place you want to spend time. Like sometimes if I'm tired and I don't want to go up a hill and it's bad weather, I'll go wash my hair and get in the bath and put salt in the bath, Epsom salts, have a long bath. And stay in there. So just, yeah, declutter. Look at your lighting. Lick a paint if, you, if you're that way out. And third one, sort your wardrobe out. Sort your wardrobe out. Well, that's the thing you mentioned earlier. Yeah. 
what I would say about your environment is make sure the environment is supporting what you want to do. If, you, if you're working from home and want an office that's business-like, make sure that environment you're in is business-like. If you're somebody who wants to start to pursue more kind of activities that are physical, make sure you've got a space and you go into places that make you feel like that, going to a gym, keeping an area or even a, um, a cupboard or a drawing house that's set up specifically for your your equipment that's another good tip i have a place for everything a place for everything you should have because that. a couple of weeks ago i was going to go into a yoga class to somebody else's yoga class and i didn't go because i couldn't find my stuff and i used it as an excuse oh it's getting late it's getting late i can't find my stuff now i have a place for my yoga stuff it's all rolled. you've up. always had that yeah, but sometimes it kind of wanders around a bit. If you're going to, uh, if you ask me now where the tents are, where the walking equipment is, where the poles are, where the photography, everything, we have got a place for everything. I think it's a place. Very rare that happens. So that's it, really. T- Sue's top tips. Declutter your house. Get some nice lighting so you cupboard out. Mine would be make sure the space unit is conducive of what you want to, to do, you know. So that's it. One hour, five minutes. Thank you, Sue. You're welcome. And um, we better get ready for this party now. <laughs> We're going to party like it's... 1999. 1999. No, your song last night was, and you will always find me in the kitchen at parties. <laughs> Not saying find me dancing at parties, I'll give you that. But I'm looking forward to meeting some people, some of your relatives and celebrating Gally's birthday. Some rallies. <laughs> right. Thanks again. Hope that podcast has been good for you. If you've liked it, um, subscribe. Come on. I need more subscribers on this channel. I need some more podcasts as well. I need some more guests. I need to go find some guests because I've been a bit... I did find somebody for you. I know you did and I haven't taken you up on that. That's me being tardy. Right. Any questions, let me know at garthwood.com. Until the next podcast, take care. Bye-bye.